Welcome to the Speakeasy Sports Show. This is Game Day Live. I'm John. I'm one of your hosts. Daniel uh, is not available to join us today. He is somewhere incognito, um, traveling abroad. But listen, I'm here this morning, and what we're going to do is I'm going to give you a game day cocktail that you can make at a tailgate. It's super easy. Um, whether you're into bourbon or not, I think you'll really enjoy this cocktail. And then we're also going to do a few picks, and we're going to do a quick show this morning. We're going to do it live. And so jump in. Um, if you are jumping in for the first time, please like and subscribe. If you're watching this on YouTube, leave us a comment. That really helps the show as we continue to build a show around college sports and high spirits. So um, listen, let's let's talk about the slate that we got for week eight today in college football. Man, it is a doozy. There are storylines everywhere. You got Jim Harbaugh and Michigan cheating. You got Tennessee at Alabama. Can Tennessee beat Bama twice in a row? Um, you've got South Carolina at Mizzou and Shane Beamer with a broken foot. Uh, you've got Ole Miss at Auburn in a weird uh, night game um, on the plains. All kinds of things happening this week in college football. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a few picks here in a little bit. We'll go through the slate. And then uh, we'll talk, you know, a little bit about what I think uh, is going to happen throughout today of college football. And then the good thing about doing a live show on game day in the morning is that you can get some pretty quick feedback. We'll find out real quick if I uh, know what I'm talking about or not. Before we do that, I do want to give you a game day cocktail recipe. Listen, there are a lot of you that are probably watching that may or may not be into bourbon. Um, you may, you know, maybe the brown water isn't your thing. Um, I'm going to give you a cocktail that what I have found uh, to be the gateway cocktail into bourbons and rise. If you don't know that if you're interested in it or not, it is also a perfect fall football weather cocktail that you can make at a tailgate. You can make it home um, something that will give you a little bit of those fall flavors and uh, really kind of, you know, bring everything alive uh, this time of year and all the things that we enjoy about this time of year. Um, in uh, especially here, I'm in the Southeast, uh, wherever you are, I'm sure um, you're enjoying uh, fall as well. So listen, a long time ago, Prohibition era, uh, you had this situation where, you know, gentlemen and women in the US could not get whiskey. And it was such a tragedy, really, for me one of the darkest uh, times in our nation's history. Um, listen, what, what they would do is uh, these folks would, would try to get their fix, and some of them had close proximity to Canada. They would go up to Canada. They had Canadian whiskey. They also had the other beautiful things that uh, Canada has to offer from a uh, food standpoint, and one of those is maple syrup. So what they started making is this thing called a revolving door. So the revolving door is... Uh, a real simple cocktail recipe. It's three ingredients. It is maple syrup, it is lemon juice, and it is rye or bourbon. You can make this at a tailgate. I have mixed this up using two plastic cups at a tailgate. Um, you can make it at home. You can make it for a fancy dinner party. Wherever you want to make this cocktail, it works in all areas. And it's real simple. Listen, all you're going to do is you're going to take an ounce of maple syrup, you're going to take three ounces of lemon juice. You're going to take two ounces of rye or your favorite bourbon, and you're going to shake that over ice. And then you're just going to strain into a glass and you're going to enjoy it. And what you're going to get is you're going to get um, the citrus. You're going to get the sweetness from the maple syrup. You're going to get a little bit of those fall flavors. And all those things are going to come together and make a beautiful cocktail 
um, for you to enjoy, especially this time of year. So why don't you try making this at your tailgate? Why don't you try making this at, at home? Um, and let me know how you like it. All right. Now that's out of the way. Listen, I really want to talk about the slate. This slate this week is so intriguing to me. There's so many storylines. There's so many things that um, have been going on this week across the board that makes this really uh, a, a contenders versus pretenders kind of slate this week. And we're going to find out real quick um, who some of these teams uh, are and what they're made of this week in college football. So I'm going to start and we'll just go down the list, you know, from the from the kickoff times. Um, Penn State at Ohio State. James Franklin is a whopping 0-6 on the road versus top 10 opponents. Um, James Franklin has one win of a, uh, versus Ohio State in his last 10, uh, his, in his uh, 11 games versus Ohio State. Um, one thing that Penn State has been able to do is they have been able to keep these games close throughout the years. Uh, Penn State comes in as a five and a half point underdog. Ohio State a five and a half point favorite. That line has moved all the way up from three and a half uh, earlier this week. Um, I think this is the game that James Franklin has been waiting for in terms of having the personnel to be able to keep this game close. Um, I think it's a it's it's a game that has a lot of pressure for Penn State and for James Franklin. Um, but I think Penn State is going to be able to keep it close. I think Penn State is going to cover that five and a half. I, I don't know if they're going to win the game, but I think Penn State is going to cover the five and a half. I'm going with Penn State uh, plus five and a half today at the horseshoe. And um, I wouldn't be surprised. I will not be surprised if Penn State wins this game. I think Ohio State's defense is incredible. I think Penn State's going to have trouble moving the ball. I also think Penn State's uh, defense is incredible too. Um, so listen, I would also uh, maybe take a peek, and I, I probably should have done this before we kicked this off, but I should take a peek here uh, at the total as well. Man, 45 and a half. I don't know. Uh, why don't we take the under too? Why don't we take the under Penn State, Ohio State? I'm I'm gonna do it. We're gonna take Penn State plus five and a half, and we're gonna take the under 45 and a half. Um, I think this is a 24-17, 24-21 kind of football game. Okay. Um Tennessee at Alabama, the third Saturday in October. Um, Tennessee hasn't won in Tuscaloosa in literally 20 years. Um, Tennessee beat Alabama for the first time, period, last year in Knoxville. Uh, for the first time in 15 years. And now they go into Tuscaloosa where Alabama looks to be a beatable team, where Alabama looks to be um, uh, relatively anemic on the offensive side of the ball, um, and where Tennessee comes in with a strong defense, uh, one of the stronger surprising defenses in the SEC. Uh, Tennessee comes in with a rushing game that is just mean. Those running backs run angry. They run mean. Um, but they also come in as a nine and a half point underdog um, to the Crimson Tide. Um, I think this is an opportunity for Nick Saban to really prove um, that he is not going to step aside and let Josh Heupel or anyone else come in and just take over, uh, you know, his 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 legacy. Like I think I think Nick Saban really. Um, is going to use this as an opportunity to do everything he can to win this football game. And what I mean by that is I'm not sure that Tennessee is going to be able to score a lot of points. Joe Milton definitely doesn't look like that guy. 
the running game is strong, but Alabama's defense is strong against the rush. I'll also tell you Alabama's offense doesn't look to be that either. Um, Tennessee's defense is pretty strong as well. I think this is going to be a rock fight. I think it's going to be another, you know, you kind of saw this last week with Alabama and Arkansas where it was a 21 to six kind of game at halftime. And then all of a sudden it ended up being a 24, 21 game that Alabama won. Um, I think this is going to be a similar game. I do think that Alabama will very likely win this game, um, but I don't see this being a, a nine and a half point spread. I don't see this being a, a, a nine point game. I think Tennessee is going to keep it close. And um, so uh, give me Tennessee to cover the nine and a half point spread. Um, and, you know, I if Tennessee wins this game, um, boy, it's going to be tough times in Tuscaloosa if Tennessee wins this game. So I do think it's going to be close. I think there's going to be a lot of Bama fans sweating it. And uh, I don't think – I think Alabama is going to win in a close one. But um, God help Gump Twitter if, uh, if, if Tennessee happens to win this game. All right, South Carolina at Mizzou. Y'all, did y'all hear this story this week? I'm sure you did. It was everywhere. It was Shane Beamer got so upset after uh, South Carolina's loss last week to Florida that he kicked some type of inanimate object that obviously was pretty strong and pretty stout, kicked it hard enough that he broke his foot, um, which is really unbelievable. An SEC head football coach in so much anger and angst and anguish lashes out, kicks something, and breaks his foot. Uh, the lesson here, obviously, is you don't don't kick things that don't move. Um, please, you know, if you're out there and you're angry, don't punch a wall. Don't kick a wall. Um, be smart. Do something that's going to have a little get, kick or punch something that's going to have a little give to it. Shane Beamer was not that smart. One of the things that that also shows me is just South Carolina's mental state right now is is in a tough state. I think I think South Carolina came into this year with an opportunity to build off of two top 10 um, wins at the end of last season, uh, a really good showing in a bowl game versus Notre Dame. Um, and I think, you know, South Carolina was really wanting to build off of that momentum this year. And it, it just hasn't happened. I mean, they, they went into Athens and played Georgia uh, close for a half and then Kirby smart and the, and Georgia just dominated them for that second half. Um, and South Carolina just has not been uh, this the team that I think they wanted to be. Um, I also think that, you know, you're seeing now a lot of um, the angst and the anguish coming out of that locker room uh, from Shane Beamer and, and his team. And I think you're going, South Carolina is going uh, to Missouri uh, against, you know, um, a quarterback and, and receiver that's really good in Brady Cook and Luther Burden. I don't know if y'all saw what Graham Mertz did to South Carolina's defense last week, but good lord! Um, I mean, they made they made Graham Mertz look like a Heisman Trophy candidate last week. Um, that South Carolina defense did. So, I am looking uh, for Mizzou to not only win this game. I'm looking for Mizzou to win this game pretty big. Um, Mizzou is a six and a half point favorite. The Missouri defense is not good, uh, but I I think South Carolina is in tough shape mentally and I'm looking for uh, Missouri to beat them to cover the six and a half um, and we're going to go over the 58 point total as well um, South Carolina and Mizzou I think it's going to be things going to be a little bit ugly for the Gamecocks today Duke at Florida State one of the one of the best stories 
in college football right now. Um, if I told you that Duke was undefeated um, in the ACC, that Duke was contending for uh, the top of the ACC standings at this point, would you have believed me? I wouldn't have believed myself. I literally looked this up and I said, good Lord, Duke and Florida State, this is for uh, ACC supremacy right now um, with North Carolina uh, you know, being the other team in the mix. And Duke is going down to Florida State. You got Mike Elko and Duke with one of the best defenses in college football right now. I, I think Mike Elko is, is going to end up um, at a big-time school and a big-time job in short order. Right now, he has Duke uh, coached up to above their their talent, um, and I am I am very interested to see what this Duke defense can do against a a very prolific Florida State offense. Um, one of the challenges for Duke is going to be Riley Leonard. Um, can, is he going to play? If he does play, can he move around at all? Um, can he work to his strengths? Um, I don't know. Uh, I think that's going to be a tough task for for Duke and for, for the Duke Blue Devils. But it's a 13-and-a-half spread. It's a lot of points. I think the Duke defense is good. Um, I think uh, that, you know, uh, after after further review uh, throughout the week, I'm going to take Duke to cover the 13-and-a-half um, and and keep this game close from the defensive side of the ball. I, you know, you saw kind of what they've been doing all year uh, to some really, you know, really good offensive players. So uh, give me Duke to cover the 13-and-a-half and keep this one close in Tallahassee. Uh, Ole Miss at Auburn, man, good grief. Ole Miss is going into uh, Jordan-Hare for a night game where weird things happen when the temperatures cool off and the voodoo starts happening in that Auburn stadium. Um, if you've been an SEC fan that has played night games versus Auburn in Jordan-Hare, uh, you know uh, what can happen down there. So Ole Miss is coming in as a six-and-a-half-point favorite. I I don't I don't trust Lane Kiffin this time of year. This is the time of year where Lane Kiffin's teams seem to lose focus. It's the time of year where I I don't know if it, if it's the competition that there that rises uh for for Ole Miss this time of year, but this seems to be the time of year where the team really uh, Lane Kiffin coach teams uh, tend to tend to fall apart. And so I'm curious to see if. If they're gonna, if Ole Miss is gonna be able to keep it together, I'm curious to see what happens if Lane Kiffin has these boys in the right mental state going into a hostile environment in Jordan Hare. Um, I think it's gonna get weird. I think Hugh Freeze, um, he has, there has been malpractice by Hugh Freeze with this Auburn offense. I don't know what they're trying to accomplish. I don't know what they're trying to do, um, but they haven't been able to do much of whatever it is that they're trying to do. But Auburn at night, it's a different thing. It's a different thing this time of year, uh, late October. It's a different thing with that crowd. It's a different thing with that environment. Um, I think Auburn is going to cover the six and a half versus Ole Miss. Uh, I don't think they're going to win the football game, but I do think that they are going to cover. I think this is going to come down to a really close one. And and then you have Lane Kiffin trying to see if he can make some right decisions and coach this team in the right way at the end of a game in a weird place. Um, and so we're going to see we're going to see what happens. But give me Auburn to cover the six and a half. All right, a couple more for you, and then we'll get out of here. Uh, I man, I do want to talk about Minnesota and Iowa, just because, good Lord, this might be the ugliest offensive game um, in college football history today. Uh, Minnesota at Iowa. Um, I'm going to be. I mean, the 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 uh, the point total for this game is thirty and a half. 
I don't know if this game is going to get to 25 in point total. Um, Iowa uh, has been playing incredible defense, but cannot move the ball at all. Minnesota, I don't know. I don't know what Minnesota is trying to do. Um, PJ Fleck is not rowing the boat whatsoever. Um, but man, I think this is going to be uh, a terrible football game to watch. And I love watching terrible football. <laughs> so I am going to be tuned in watching Minnesota and Iowa just to see what happens. Uh, my pick, you know, I think I was going to win this game. You know, this is probably going to be a 13 to six kind of game. Uh, but I do think I was going to cover the three and a half. And I, I am going to put some money on uh, the under 30 and a half for this game. Because uh, I don't see any way that these teams are going to score um, any points. So, uh those are two plays for you on Minnesota at Iowa, Michigan and Michigan state. Do y'all remember when Jim Harbaugh, um, you know, a few years ago, he was, a, he was accused, uh, by, uh, Kirby smart and Georgia, um, made some comments about, uh, Jim Harbaugh doing some things that weren't quite kosher on the recruiting trail and in the recruiting regions. And um, Jim Harbaugh tweeted that if the Georgia coach thinks that he's cheating, then he's barking up the wrong tree. Uh, this was in 2016. And Jim Harbaugh, over the last few years, um, has been nothing but accused of cheating. And now you have a situation where there is a legit investigation going on versus Michigan. You have a legit a Big Ten NCAA investigation. You've got a, an assistant in Connor Stallions, who was a former Navy officer that was hired uh, by Michigan, who posted some questionable things on his LinkedIn um, about you know uh, his his naval um, special forces skills and operations. Um, and you got this guy who has been suspended uh, while they're pending investigation into a spying scandal. Now. A little bit of detail about it, if you're interested. Um, when it comes to this, you can actually uh, you can you can scout teams. Obviously, all 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 teams do this. What you can't do is there is a rule that you can't do that in person. So you can't send a coach to scout an opposing team during their game. Um, you can't send you know a coach to sit in a press box or a coach to sit sit in a game and scout a team live. And that's where uh, I think the crux of this comes in is there. Uh, is uh, allegedly uh, Michigan having resources, scouting other teams, giving them information on signals, and then stealing those signals and using them in a game live uh, to get an advantage. I don't know if Michigan cheated or not. There's a lot of smoke, and usually where there's smoke, there's fire. What I will say is I don't think it's going to matter for this game. <laughs> Uh, man, I don't think that this game is going to matter whatsoever. I think Michigan is going to come out. Michigan State is just terrible. Um, that that program is an upheaval with Mel Tucker having his own scandal and being fired uh, earlier this year. Um, I think Michigan is going to come out and blow the doors off of Michigan State. Um, and then you're going to hear, uh, you know, all week around how maybe Michigan still had their signals. I don't know. Uh, I don't trust Jim Harbaugh in Michigan. What I do trust um, – in terms of, of of integrity, what I do trust is uh, I do trust that defense and I do trust that that running game and that football team to come out and blow the doors off of Michigan off of Michigan State. So uh, give me Michigan uh, to cover the twenty four point spread today. I think it's going to be a bloodbath um, in East Lansing. All right, Utah at USC. Kyle Whittingham 
man, Kyle Whittingham just finds ways to beat USC, doesn't he? Um, he's one of the most underrated coaches in college football. Um, the guy, you know, has has literally uh, found ways to use defense and um, and a little bit of tight end game and and a decent quarterback over the years uh, to win the Pac-12 in back-to-back years. Um, there's a lot of flash in that Pac-12 this year. A lot of flash with with Michael Penix Jr., with Oregon and Bo Nix, with um, Caleb Williams. You know all this hype around offense, and you've got Utah. Um, out here just playing incredible defense. Even the game that they lost, um, it was a very low-scoring game. Uh, and so, listen, I think um, I think Utah is going to find a way to keep this game um, in uh, the low low-scoring range. Uh, I think Caleb Williams uh, had such a tough game last week, but I do think USC is going to bounce back. Um, and in and that offense, Zachariah Branch and those guys are just going to be hard uh, to keep in check this week and Utah, you know, with cam rising, uh, likely not playing again, likely being out for, for the year, maybe, um, I don't think they're going to have enough offense to really score enough to keep this within a touchdown. It's a six and a half point spread in USC's favor. Uh, I'm going with USC to cover that six and a half. Um, and I think Kyle Whittingham, such a good coach, uh, such a good, uh, leader, um, this, this week, I just don't think he has the horses at USC, uh, to keep the game close like he like he has in other games. Uh, last one, Clemson at Miami. Clemson hasn't lost at Miami since 1956. Miami hasn't won an ACC home game under Mario Cristobal. Um, this is a, a pressure cooker game uh, for Dabo Sweeney. Dabo came out this week and and said, maybe we should lose a few more games. Um, he, he, he had a lot to say to the Clemson fan base this week uh, about their lack of enthusiasm for the way that his football team is playing. Um, I think, again, this goes back to what I was talking about with Shane Beamer earlier. Um, I think I think Clemson is in a tough state of mind. Um, I think Miami is also in a tough state of mind. They lost to Georgia Tech. Then they went and played North Carolina and really didn't have much to show for it. Um, Clemson is a three-and-a-half-point favorite in this game at Miami. Um, I, I, I'm I going to be really interested to see which coach can get their team motivated, can get their team mentally ready to play this game. Um, I think, you know, for me, for my money this week, after seeing Dabo Sweeney uh, and the way that he's been acting out there this week, I'm going to actually ride with Mario Cristobal. I think Mario Cristobal um, has more, uh, much more to prove. I think um, uh, Mario Cristobal uh, has good athletes. You got Tyler Van Dyke. You got some guys um, in the secondary that can really play. They haven't shown it uh, last week, you know, versus North Carolina, but you, you've got the talent. And I think Mario Cristobal is going to find a way uh, to keep this game close. I think Miami is going to cover the three and a half. Um, and, uh, and they very likely might get their first ACC win at home under Mario Cristobal this week. Um, give me Miami there. And then, you know, one more just for, just for kicks. Um, UFs, UCF at Oklahoma, Oklahoma is a big favorite, 17 and a half point favorite. UCF gets John Reese Plumley back. Um, he's been out injured for a few weeks. They get him back as quarterback. You've got a mobile quarterback. The Oklahoma defense is playing like one of the best in the country. 
one of the best of the nation. Um, but I think UCF is actually going to keep this game close. I think this is going to be a Gus Malzahn special um, where, you know, maybe it's a 10-point game, maybe it's a 13-point game. Uh, I don't think it's going to be a 17-and-a-half-point drubbing um, by Oklahoma today. I think maybe it's, a, maybe it's a little bit of a sleeper, a little bit of a sleepy time game for the Sooners. Um, so your last pick is give me uh, UCF to cover the 17-and-a-half uh, versus Oklahoma. All right, y'all, it's been great. Listen, do us a favor, like, subscribe. Uh, if you're listening to this, uh, if it's if you're listening to it on podcasts, if you're watching it on YouTube, um, give us a like, give us a subscribe. Try the revolving door. Leave us a comment. Let me know how you like it. It's a, it's, it is my personal favorite gateway bourbon cocktail. Um, and, and enjoy the day. It's going to be a great day of college football. Any day of college football is a great day, but today especially. So um, leave us a comment, like, subscribe, and we will see you next time.